This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So we're going to talk about, of course, we're going to talk about Pesach. Um, before we get to Pesach, I want to talk about a little bit of a different subject. So we spoke about, um, well, probably about three months ago, we talked about the ability to forgive someone um, that's hurting you. It's very hard to forgive someone that's hurting you. And I told you that we're learning Tomah Devorah and the, the 13 attributes and that Hashem forgives um, even though He gives us life and we use that life to do things we're not supposed to. He gives us eyesight. We look at things we're not supposed to. So the, the, the Malach Malach take away their eyesight. They're using it against you. He says, no, one day they'll use it for me. So He's very, very patient. That It's sort of like you, 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 your neighbor, I told you a story, your neighbor asks you for $1,000, you don't have it. And then you, 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 you go to your friends and you raise a thousand dollars, you give it to him, and then he gets a lawyer who's, su- he's suing you for being on his property. And you're like, how'd you, how'd you, where'd you get the money for the lawyer? He's like, you lent it to me. Like, <laughs> I'm not forgiving a guy. I gave him the money. He's using it against me. Right? But Hashem gives us life and, 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 and we use it to do things that he says you should not do. So, it was just interesting. I was, I was having a long discussion this week with, a, with somebody and, and, Someone very close to him hurt him, and he quit. I didn't, it wasn't the biggest hurt in the world, but he took it very hard, and um, he just could not forgive. And I, I just could not understand why he could not forgive. Like just, just give it up. Like you know, let 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 let's start again with this person. He couldn't give it up. I came to the conclusion that you first have to forgive yourself. If you're not able to forgive yourself for your stuff, then you're not willing to forgive someone else for their stuff. But if you're willing to forgive yourself and you're connected to yourself, then you're much easier on other people. So I told this guy, I said, first go, go work on yourself to forgive yourself and then you won't have a problem forgiving the other person. So yeah, everything, all our relationships are really based on on, on our own relationship with ourselves. And if we're, we're comfortable and we're in a good place, you know, you always see in the other person the flaws that you have. So like, people have flaws and, and there are people who don't see it at all. And you're like, how can you, how can you let this guy get away with it? And the guy's like, get away with what? Because he doesn't have that flaw. So he doesn't, he doesn't recognize it. He doesn't see it. So that brings us to this month. Um, the month of Nisan. Rosh Chodesh Nisan is this Shabbos, right? So let's talk about Rosh Chodesh Nisan. So it says the following, a little, a little Kabbalah from, from the Kabbalah, from the Kabbalah Yosha. So it says the following. So the Pasuk says in Shemos that this month, the month of Nisan, is a month for you. Lochem. Lochem, Lamed Chof Mem, are the same letters as the word Melech. Melech spells Lochem. That Rosh Chodesh Nisan is considered the king of all the months. Even though Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah, you're born in Nisan? Yeah, there you go. Chai Nisan. Okay, you're the king. Also Nissan. Okay. They named the car company after you guys. Amazing. So, so, Lochem is the Oisins of Melech. The Rabbi Shachoyish Nissan who Melech was Shachoyish Lecholach Adoshim. Even though Tishrei is Rosh Hashanah, but when the Torah tells you the seventh month, the fifth month, the third month, you start, you count from the first month. Nissan is the first month. Give me a sitter. Can you give me a sitter from the back for a second? So you know that every month has a different way of spelling Hashem's name? Every month has a different way of spelling Hashem's name. 
Yud, yud Hey Vav Hey, right? So it's Hey Vav Hey Yud. There's, there's 12 different combinations that we have. Did you know that? What's the, what's the combination of Nisan? The combination of Nisan, which tells you a lot about the month. Nisan, is Hashem's name spelled correctly? Yud Hey Vav Hey. That's the only month that's spelled that way. There are other months like if you go to Ador, it's Hey Hey Yud Vav. If you go to Tishrei, it's Vav Hey Yud Hey. All, it's all the same four letters. There's always a Yud, a Hey, a Vav, and a Hey, but they mix. They mix the order. It mixes the order. The worst month is Tammuz. Because Tammuz is spelled Hey Vav Hey Yud. So it's backwards. It's Hashem's name backwards. Yud K Vav K backwards. That's Din. That's Din. That's not good. So Nisan's number one. Nisan is Yud Hey Vav Hey. And the other name of Hashem, Eheyeh. The truthful, the way you say the name. No, it doesn't have anything to do. It doesn't have anything to do with how you had the month, the name of the month. It has to do in every, every in every month. Hashem's name is no it has nothing to do with the name of the month. Nisan doesn't have a hey. What? Hashem's name has to be in every month. It wouldn't be in the world. Wouldn't be a lot. Hashem has to be in everything. So, oh, who comes up with this? this, this it's, it's Kabbalah. It's Kabbalah. It's Kabbalah. It's Kabbalah. It's brought down in the Mishnah's Chassidim. And every single one of them has a Pasuk. So the Pasuk of, of this month, Nisan, is Yismachu HaShemayim V'sagal Good stuff. The heavens are happy. The earth is rejoicing. It's a good month. Right? It's, it's the month of Nisan. Nisan, Nisan Niglin, not hidden. Not hidden miracles. Splitting of the, you know, the, 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 the ten, the ten Makos. In Nisan we were in Nisan we were redeemed, it says, and in, in Mashiach comes, we'll also be in Nisan redeemed. So this is the month. Right? Doesn't say who if you're born in Nisan you're Mashiach, but uh, no, no. no. That's actually that's actually if you're born in Of. Yeah, there you go. Is your name Menachem? Is your name Menachem? Yeah. Your name is Menachem? Ooh. Gabara says that Mashiach's name will be Menachem, it'll be born in Of. Let me let me put on my glasses, let me check this out. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. We have a shot at this. And it also says it's not someone you expect. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But that's what it says. Very spiritual guy. Menachem and Av? Shh. You born at Tishabov? No, no. He's born on Tishabov, it says. Mashiach is born on Tishabov, and his name is Menachem. This is serious business. You want to give the share? Wow, and the Zayar says that he won't know he won't know who he, that he's Mashiach until he's forty. It's going to be re- revealed to him at forty. Another twenty years. Okay, we'll see what happens. Everyone who's watching, is like, push the camera. Want to see? No, 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 nothing. He'll have a hundred shiduchim tonight and call him up. Who, who doesn't want to marry Mashiach, right? All right. Anyway, so so it's the month. It's it's the lechem. Spells, spells Melech. So it's a very big, and he says, Kishneim Shufei Havaya, the month of Nisan is Hashem's name. It's spelled Yudke Vavke. Wow. So anyway, so he says, any name that's switched is a little bit less Rachamim, but this month, when the name is Yudke Vavke, it is, um, it is what's it called? 
Now there are two months that the law, that the this is Kabbalistic, but there are two months that the living pray for the dead. The month of Tishrei, which is Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and the month of um, and this month, the month of Nisan. Okay, so it's a special thing in the month of Nisan. He says the following. Very interesting. Um, let's go skip to. Because Hashem's name is Yudke Vavke, and it's pure Rachamim, you're not allowed to fast. You don't say Tachanun, you're not allowed to fast. If someone dies, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to say a eulogy. But in Nisan, it's not a minute to go to the, to the graveyard, like we do in Tishrei, and to say Tachanunim, just the opposite. Because the whole month of Nisan is, is a good month, right? And therefore, we're supposed to daven for them. We're supposed to daven for them. He says, I hope, a prayer here. Um, the day should be lit on the Shmasim Chadishin, on these holy souls. That become new like birds, and they chirp praises. This is called Ol Zayah. Okay, and we're supposed to pray for them. There's a whole prayer that he's supposed to say. If you want to know what prayer it is, look at Peches in the Kavayasha. What's going on over here, though? What's going on over here? So he says that in Nisan is the spring, and in the spring, things start to grow. He says you should give a lot of tzedakah for, for souls, for people who died. Uh, we read the Pasha, the Pasha of the Nasi, and he says that when you pray for them, they pray for you. Now there's a very interesting quote in the Gemara, and the Gemara says, in the month of Nisan, stay away from black oxen. Because oxes, oxes, male, male cows. Because the Satan is dancing between his horns. Why? In Nisan, things start to grow, it's the spring. And the ox is going to eat it. And today, because of our sins, most people are sinning. Some Lashon Hara, some Lutzanis, some immoral acts, right? And this goes into the cock of the world. And therefore, when the things start to grow, the, the Rishaim, the bad people's souls, are in those plants. Doesn't mean when you go to the store, start talking to the carrots, Right? But they're in those plants, and who eats those plants? The animals. So, when you're going to eat the meat in the steakhouse, or the vegetables, if you're a good person and you're kosher, you know that when you eat things, and you make a bracha on it, there's a very famous story in the Avas Chaim, where a lady took a where a lady took an apple and by accident made a bayupriadama and she ate the apple. And that night in a dream, an ashama came to her and said, I was waiting for years. I was in the ground. It's a famous Ahavas Chaim story. I was in the ground because Gilgulim can come into, in four different ways. Gilgulim can come in the worst Gilgul is if a person has to come back to this world and be in something what's called a daimane. 
in a rock. You're just stuck in that rock and you're stuck. It's very hard to get out of the rock. Or tzameah in a plant. Now a plant, if you make a bracha, if there's an neshama in the apple and you make her eights, you free the neshama. You massacre the neshama. You fix the neshama. An animal, which is called a chai, a, a, a gilgul could be in an animal, so you eat meat, you eat chicken, you eat veal, whatever it is, you're massacring that neshama, you make a bracha, as long as you make a bracha. Or, no, there's no, there's no tikkun. You can't eat it. You don't make a bracha on it. And the final, the final gilgul is a person. A person, you can come back as a person, that's the best gilgul. You don't want to be a horse, you don't want to be a cow, and you don't want to be a bee, or an insect. What? Everyone's a Gilgal. There's no new neshamas in the world. Now, how do you know why you're back? What, you, 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 what do they call that when you see someone, you say, I know you from somewhere? There's an English word for it. What is it called? No. Deja vu. So deja vu means that the last time you were here, you knew that person. You're like, I know you from someone. Like, you never met them before. Whatever, I'm not going to go into the Seifel Gugulim right now. But, but what he's saying over here is that there are Gugulim in the earth, and now these are plants. The Gugul- it, you go from the earth into the plant, then the animal eats you, so you become part of the animal, then the person eats the animal on Yantiv or on Shabbos or the fish, whatever it is. One of the highest gulgulim is a fish, and there was a very famous, I think the Gemara talks about it, where this rabbi would go fishing and he'd look at the fish, throw it back, look at the fish, throw it back, look at the fish, this one I'm going to take. Tell me, so what's going on? Like the fish is not talking to you, like what's going on? He said, this one has an asham, I want to, I want to correct. Whatever that means. Doesn't mean you should go into the fish store and stop talking to the fish. Because not every fish is a Gilgal. Not every apple is a Gilgal. You have to know which ones, which ones are which. If it's talking to you, then you need to see a psychologist. If you're talking to the apple, what? No, not all apples are Gilgulim. What? You can't eat, what do you mean eat it all? You can't eat every apple in the store? How can you eat every apple in the store? You can't eat every apple in the store. So, so anyway, let me tell you what in the dream. So she comes to me in the dream. She starts saying, do you know I was in the earth and then I ended up in the plant and I ended up in the tree and I ended up being an apple and you picked me. And I was like, oh, finally, I'm going to be saved. You made the wrong bracha. I have to start all over again. So, so, what happened was she came back the next night and said that since if you make a hadama, it's your yoyach and the eighth, I'm good. So you got to make sure you make a bracha and everything. You don't want something, someone to be stuck for a long time and then you don't make a bracha and you mess them up and they got to start all over again. Right? Yeah, so how do you know what you're here for? The Avera, the, 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 the biggest challenge you have to get over, that's what you messed up on last time. So like we have all we have Yetzirahs, right, for everything. But let's say there's a specific Yetzirah for girls and you just can't get past it. So that doesn't mean that last time you said Lashon Hara or you killed someone or you stole from someone. It had something to do with immor- with girls, and let's say it's money, right? You you're a ganif, and you just you like you you're a great guy, but you just you can't stop stealing. You just can't stop stealing. That means that the reason you're here is because last time you stole. Whatever the hardest thing is for you to overcome, a big shot, stingy, lashon hara, whatever it is, it's your thing. You just that's why you're here, because the reason it's so hard is to is to fix is what you're here for. 100%. No, so that's not, that's, that's part of being human, part of being in this world. No, 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 Nope. We're recycling. We're recycling. This is all 
Mekubalim and Sadiqim and the Zayar, and he talks about all this and whatever it is. And, and there's no more new Nishamas because we are, we, until Mashiach comes, we have to just go through this and be, and be Mesakin and fix it. So you know, you know, you know, every person, you, know, you go inside yourself and you know what you're struggling with. That's why you're here. That's why you're here to be Mesakin. It's very fascinating. It was a shir I heard a long, long, long time ago. So, so let's say this guy, right? Last time he was here, he went to church, right? He went. He went off to Dareth. He decided he wants to be a Christian, even though we can't change. But he right? He used to go to church. He did the wafer. He did the christening. He believes in Jesus. The whole thing. Now, to fix what you did wrong, you have to be in the same place, in the same situation, and overcome it. So, if he's a good guy, how can he be in church? And how can he get back to that place to be masakin? The good guy is not in church. He's sitting in sheep with the old learning all day, right? How is he going to get? How is he going to fix it? Fascinating. So, it really depends on you how you're going to fix it. What does that mean? You could be off the derech and do it again and end up in church, and you have to overcome it. That's one way. You could be um, addicted and you have to go to 12 steps and most 12 step programs uh, for addicts are in churches just the way it is in the basement of a church. So you're not, you're not going to the church to do something bad, right? But you're going to the church because you are an addict. It's not the same as the guy who's going to the church to, right? Or you could be a tzaddik and you go into churches to take Jewish kids out and bring them back to Hashem. That, you're going to end up in a church. And you're going to end up in the same test, in the same place, with the same situation. How you're going to end up there, it's up to you. That's up to you. So, some very fascinating, very fascinating stories on that. Right, it depends, you know, it depends what, depends where you're at in life. You know, I, I, I tell the story all the time. And, in fact, I'm talking in Hatzalah tomorrow night in, in, uh, in Monroe. Um, and I, I, I was, I was, um, I said it a few weeks ago, not in the boys' chair. So I, I, I deal with girls and I help out people. Whatever I do, I do. And I'm usually up very, very late, you know. And um, emergency situations, this, that, and the other thing. Well, one thing, when I go to sleep, I put my, my phone on silent. From three to six, from three to seven, I got to sleep. So I put it on silent. So if you call me, like I, everyone says, till when can I call you? You can call me until I don't answer. Because in other words, you call me and I answer, it means I didn't put my phone on silent, it means I'm up. If I don't answer, it means I'm sleeping. Okay. So, every night, 3 o'clock, 3.30, whatever it is, whatever the situation is, I put my phone on silent. One night, many years ago, I got home. I didn't sleep for like three nights. It was a whole situation in my high school and I was up every night at the hospital and here and there, whatever it was. I came home, I got into bed. You know, you know what is the worst thing that can happen to a guy? You get into bed, you get undressed, you put that blanket on, the pillow's cold, you're ready to go, right? And you're like, I didn't die in my earth. And I'm like, oh my gosh, there's still a minion in Shomer Shabbos, 2.30, I don't even have an excuse. There's no minion, there's no minion, right? You gotta get up, you gotta get dressed. What's the best thing that can happen to a guy? He get, gets into bed, gets comfortable, oh my gosh, I didn't die in my earth. Oh, I did. Oh, yes, I did. That's the best thing that can happen to you. Because you're diving differently. Every night you're diving a certain menu, but that day you're diving early. Whatever it is, they're like, you know, I can go. Anyway, so that night I went, 
I went to, uh, I went to, what's it called? I go to, I go to Tibet, and I forgot to turn my phone off. It's like once in a, in a year, whatever it is. I put it next to me, you know, it was, and I'm falling asleep. It's like a quarter to four. I am so dead. And my phone rings. And I'm like, I shouldn't answer it because how luck is I turned it off and I didn't turn it off. But who's calling me at a quarter to four? I got to answer it. It's not standard court. So I looked at the number and it wasn't Israel. It was Israel, okay, they, they don't care. They six hours there. I pick it up. I'm saying, hello. I was like, half, mamash half dead. Even more tired than I am tonight. And, hi, this is Hatzalah Mill Basin. I'm like, so right away you think, oh, my kid, my right, 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 right. Well, my kids are not in Mill Basin or whatever it is. I said, yes, how can I help you? Is this Robert Wallace? And I'm like, yes, it's Robert Wallace. He says, we have one of your girls in the bus, in the ambulance, in the bus. And she's kicking and fighting and biting. And she said she's not going to the hospital. And we don't want to put her in a straitjacket unless Reverend Wallstein goes with her. So we really need you to, to come with her. I'm like, guys, just talk her. I, I was like, I wasn't even, I didn't know what I was saying. I was like, just talk her down. Like, give her a shot. Do something. I, I'm not, I'm dead. I'm whatever. I'm like, where, where are you guys? And little basin is 25 minutes from us. Like, okay, you know what? When you get to my house, wake me up. I'm going to sleep for 25 minutes. They're like, we're in your driveway. My driveway? We're in your driveway. I look out the window. They don't have the lights on. They're in my driveway. There's an ambulance in my driveway. I tell my wife, I cannot believe it. If I, if I, I would never know. If I, I, don't, I don't know if they would have knocked on my door and rang my bell. But whatever it is, they knew exactly where I lived. She knew where I lived. I get dressed. I am so upset. I get dressed. I go down into the ambulance. She's throwing up. She's OD. She took too much drug with She's throwing her brains up. She's screaming. But she's not, she's not beating up anyone and biting them anymore. We're going to the hospital. I'm sitting, you know, you sit on the side. She's in the stretcher. Gurney. I'm like, Hashem, I, I, don't, I don't understand. Like, you're going to give me a break? Like, I just, need, I just need a couple of minutes to sleep. And all of a sudden, I'm like, time out. On Rosh Hashanah, on Rosh Hashanah, when they wrote what's going to be with me this year, they wrote, Sakhaya Wallstein is going to be in, a, in an ambulance on his way to Maimonides at 4 o'clock Tuesday morning. Now the question is, how is he going to be in that ambulance? Is he going to have a heart attack? Is he going to be very sick? Is he going to be going with his wife who's sick? Is he going with his kids who's sick? Or is he going to be going to a mitzvah? That's up to Wallstein. Because if Wallstein, if that's what he does, then he'll go in the ambulance. He's going to be in the ambulance. He's going to go to Maimonides. The question is, how? That's up to you. So in your tikkun, even though you have to be back in that place, the question is, why are you back in that place? That's up to you. That you're going to be in that place, and you're going to have that test, you're going to be in that place, exactly where you were last time in, the, in this world, and it's going to be with the same person, even maybe with a guild of the same person, in the same situation, you have to overcome it. But you're going to be there. How are you going to be in the church? Could be you're off the derech. That's not good. Could be you're, 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 you're an alcoholic, so you, you, you're, you're, doing, you're doing the 12th step. Or it could be you're an anti Christianity, missionary guy, you're, 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 you're a buster, so you're going there to save a kid. You're going there as a tzaddik. It's up to you. So what he's saying over here is that in the month of Nisan, since everything's starting to grow, the neshamas of the Risham who couldn't get into the next world, they're in the plants. And they need a lot of prayer. And that's why we need to dive in for them.
So he says, When the person eats the meat or the plants, so if you're a kosher and you make a bracha, you, you saved the neshama. She moved to because he was in the grass. And then you, you, then you take the neshama from the darkness, and wow, it's a big thing, and you bring him into the, into the light. Wow. So he says, if, 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 the, if the neshama of the person deserves it, then, then you, you, he doesn't have to go from the plant into the animal, then you eat the animal, you're eating, you know, a pastrami sandwich. You could, you, you could eat the plant before you even have to go into the animal and you must sack him, he doesn't have to do that other step. So this is all the stuff that happens in this month. Therefore, Nachan is correct, pray for these neshamas and that are pushed. Especially the neshamas that are stuck in plants. They don't, they don't go up fast to find menucha, to find peace. Therefore, it's a mitzvah to daven for them in the whole month of Nisan. Not Pasha, what's going on in this world, not what it looks like. There's famous stories with the cats in, in Yushalayim. The cat was following a guy and following wherever he went, and he was always following him. And finally, he turned around. He said, "I'm Michael, you. I'm Michael, you. I'm Michael, you." And that's it. He never saw the cat again because one of the Gilgulim is in cats. You don't want to come back in a cat, right? The worst Gilgul is a guy who fools around with women. He comes back as a anyone here know a black dog. All the farm, all the safer Gilgulim say comes back as a Kelev. That's why you. Sh- that's why you're not. That's why you're not supposed to have. You're not supposed to have dogs because dogs don't have good gulgulim. Right. Right. Doesn't mean every black dog like. Oh, I know what you did. No. <laughs> means that it comes back in a dog, but doesn't mean every single black dog. No, a dog is not a good gulgul. The reason the Gemara, the reason the Gemara says you shouldn't own a dog is because a dog is not, the way it reproduces is not modest and the way it goes to the bathroom is not modest. It lifts its leg. Not every animal, you know, the, the most snua animal is a, is a, is a camel. You see how a camel goes? He goes, he goes down, he covers his private parts. He goes down first this way, not that way. A camel is like the most, one of the most snua animals. A dog is not a snua. Cats are snua. Right. They were never, they were never right, right. They would never lift a leg. Yeah, they right, 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 right. But so that's why the Gemara says a dog. Not so. It's not such a nice thing to have in your. Um, not such a nice thing to have in your house. Okay. No, no, no. You could be a gilgul in a dog. Doesn't mean every dog has a gilgul. Not every apple has a, has an ashama in it. The the the, the Kaddish could look at a tree and understand what has and what doesn't. No. But every person does. All you guys have an ashamo, that's for sure. Anyway, tell the crazy story here. Listen to this. It says a story like this. He had a, a friend who had a and he was a big tzaddik. And they loved each other very much. And they made a deal between the two of them that whoever dies first so they had a deal. Whoever dies first needs to come back in a dream and tell the other one what it's like to die 
and what the neshama does after it dies. Okay? By he by yom. That was a deal. If they could, if you don't come back, you don't come back. You know the famous baseball story. There were these two guys who loved to play baseball. Like all they did was talk Yankees, Mets, baseball, baseball, baseball. So they made a deal. And thank you. They made a deal. Whoever dies first should come back to the other guy and tell him, do they play baseball in heaven? Okay? So, so yeah, I want to know. They talk, this is their whole life. So the first guy, he dies, and he comes to his friend in a dream. He says, no, do they play, do they play baseball in heaven? He says, I got good news for you, and I got bad news. He says, what's the good news? He says, they play a lot of baseball in heaven. He says, what's the bad news? You're pitching tomorrow. <laughs> okay, anyway. So... So they're in the they're in the graveyard. I want you to know that we made a deal, me and my friend, and the one that's here that died, that that he kept his that he kept his shvua. No, that he's going to keep his shvua. They all saw that the. The box, the coffin, started shaking. Whoa. So they opened up the... They, bur- they were burying a live guy, they thought. So they opened up the coffin. They thought he's still alive. They saw that this mace was not going to be able to keep the deal, he was not going to be able to, like you said, Hashem, he's not going to be able to say anything. But after 30 days, he came to him in a dream, that he should please be Michael, and that he swore that he's going to come back and tell him, and he's not, because they didn't give him permission to say anything. So they don't always give you permission to come back. I just heard a crazy story that um, see, I just fixed the Google. You okay now? Okay, bye. It's not in water, but it is well, whatever. Anyway, I don't want to make a joke out because it's not it's not really a joke. These these neshamas are suffering a lot, but it's not that every fruit or every per, or every animal or every whatever it is a Gilgal. They just there there's some of them. I just heard someone just told me a story that there was a very big tzaddik. And he came back to someone in a dream. And he says, I only have Rishus to tell you one thing. He says, what's that? He said that Ein Oid Mulvado, that his whole life, he always said in the morning, Ein Oid Mulvado, there's no one but Hashem, there's no one else. He said, you don't understand in Shemayim how great it is a person, how they, how they appreciate a person who says Ein Oid Mulvado. So he told him, you should just know, you should tell people to say, Eino Mavalo. Eino Mavalo means there's no one but you. There's no one but you, Hashem. That in Shemayim, it's huge. That's all he could tell him. Okay. There's a lot more I want to talk about, but I would like to go to my, my um, because it is late, I started very late. Um, how long are we on, a half hour? Can you, can you look? Huh? 31 See, I'm pretty good, I know my time. Okay, so I, we're writing this safe on, on Hilzah's Kibbutz of Aim. I would like to read some, pizza, some pieces of it that, are, that I think you'll find very interesting. Listen to this, boys, listen to this Shiloh. 
First, I want to tell you something else, just in halacha, that just an interesting story. So, so let me ask you guys a question in halacha. So, there's a Pesach um, program, and they hiring people to sing, and people to daven, whatever it is. But the guys who, anyone that you hire, what needs to wants a deposit. So let's say the guy's being hired for ten thousand dollars. He's a singer to come to the Pesach program. Now they give him a five thousand dollar deposit. Okay. And the Pesach program collapses. Okay? So they gave him a $5,000 deposit. The Pesach program collapses. They owe him $5,000. They made up $10,000. They owe him $5,000. Meanwhile, he's a great singer. Someone calls him and says, Oh, I heard they collapsed. You have, you have an opening? He goes, Yeah, I have an opening. I was going to be there Tuesday night. Okay, we'll take you for Tuesday night. We'll pay you $10,000. So now, does he have to give back the five? Calm, calm down. Right, but you have no loss of money. Well, you're, coming, you're coming to Besden. Just let me tell you the part. You're coming. To, let's say the other place is paying you fifteen. So it's good that I, it's good that I closed because I'm not me. But I say it's good that I closed because if I wouldn't have closed, you would have gotten ten. Not because I closed. Give me back my five. Okay, I'm talking piyalacha. So piyalacha, piyalacha. Right. What I'm saying is. I did not cause you a chisar and kiss. I didn't cause you a damage. But what if that? What if they didn't? What if they? What if nobody called them? But they did. They, they, no, then for sure you. I owe you five. If I hired you and you lost your job, if I hired you and I closed, I still owe you five. The fact that somebody else called me is not have nothing to do with what we closed on. But what I, I right, did not cause you any damage, and therefore, what, I'm, ask, I'm, I'm coming to Bezin and saying to Bezin, I did not cause this guy any damage. He got 10 or 15, whatever he got, right? So he didn't lose. By me closing, he didn't lose. I want my five back. That's Shiloh. Now, the halacha, and I'll tell you where this comes from very fast. So the halacha is that, what you said, the halacha is, that the reason I took a deposit, right, why did I take a deposit, why did you give me a deposit? You gave me a deposit. What was your das when you gave me the deposit? You're going to close? No. But you're going to be open, right? So when your das when you gave me the deposit is, this is for you. Finish. It's over. I owe you another five. My das is I'm not going to close. If I thought I was going to close, right? If, if I thought you were going to close. So, so therefore, when I gave you the five, it has nothing to do with if you get another job. Let's say you work for me. Right? And then I fire you. And you get some job in some big company you're getting twice the money. You don't got to give me back the money. So, so therefore, halachically, even though I didn't cause you damage, right? I, I took a deposit. My dash when I gave you the deposit, it's yours. Not only if we open, then, then, then I, I'm only giving you a deposit if I open. That's a different, that's a different deal. Now, where does this come from? Right? So I just want to tell you where this comes from. So a Jewish company, this is very fascinating, and I want to talk about what and when it just happened. So I, I, ma- I manufacture plastic bags, right? So let's say I sell shopping bags, Glot Mart, all these different stores. If I sell them plastic bags, they owe me $100,000, let's say. And they go chapter 11. It's an American law. They go chapter 11. They don't have to pay me. Not only that, if they pay me in the last 30 days, they even get that money back, whatever. But they don't have to pay me. I'm like... That's an American law. I, I shipped the bags. I did my job. I gave you the bag. They cost me $80,000, right? 
So maybe the hundred, I can't come tell you, take, give me the hundred, because I'm not losing. I, I don't have a right to ask for the 20,000 profit. Different question. But, but I want, I want, halachically, I don't care about stupid American law, it's Geneva. I want my 80,000, I want my 80,000, I gave you 80,000 worth of goods. So this just happened in a very big way. So the, the Besden Paskin, that since American law is, Machusadina, American law is, that there is a chapter 11, that means when I sell bags to a store, I know that they could, they could go chapter 11. So my das, right, I, I'm willing to take that chance to make my profit. Any, any store can go chapter 11 in America. It's an, it's an American law. So when I sell you a product, right, I know that there's a possibility that you're going to beat me, right? But I'm selling to you anyway. And therefore, that din of Achusadina pushes out the din of Halacha, because Halacha you stole from me. I gave you goods. You didn't pay me for the goods. That's Geneva. But because of... What? This is a real case that just happened. Huge. What? No, no, no. So this is a this is a very good question because the value, the value of the bags, right, as a misprint, selling it to the street with someone else's name on it, has a value. So now he's asking a good question: Do I have a right? So in the American law of bankruptcy, I can't. It goes to the banks. So. That's the law. And you're, you're selling me the product. So you know, even though you're a Jew and you're from, I know that when I sell you, of course I don't think you're going backward, but I wouldn't sell it to you, but right? Because it's a non-Jew, you wouldn't think about it that way. No, you, it's the same law. No, I'm saying for a non-Jew, you're selling it back to you, and you wouldn't have enough shots to get back the money. I would want to get back the money. You stole from me. Uh, as a Jew, okay. you can't right. No, I'm saying, as a Jewish halacha, as a din, as a din, as a din halacha, it depends what your das is. What's your das no, when you I do it? You're going to lose the case. You're in chapter you know, 11. You're, you're, you're not getting it back. And I happen to know someone that went bankrupt and paid everyone back. Even though halachically he didn't have to. Because at the end of the day, you sold me, you're a Jew, and you're right. losing a lot of money, and I bought the goods, and, 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 and yeah. So... It's happened in jewelry business. It's happened in the bag business. It's happened in a lot of business. I don't, I don't, you know. No, they keep the product. You can't get it back. It doesn't matter. The bank gets it. I had, I had, uh, what's it called? Went, went chapter 11 for $200,000. I mean, Lomans. I made their bags. I made their gift wrapping. I made everything. Lomans, Lomans. Used to be a big women's chain store. Lomans, L-O-E-H-M-A-N. They had a store with, right? They were very big. They had, they had men's clothing too. Whatever it was, they went chapter eleven on me, and they had all my bags. I shipped all the bags before Christmas. They knew that. They built it all up, right? Because they want to get the most money, and so they ordered all that. They beat me for two hundred grand. There was nothing I could do. Not only is nothing I could do, so then they settle the case. What they do is they get they they keep everything. They sell it like secondhand. And the bank takes its money first. And whatever's left, whatever's left, it splits up. So I got 12 cents. 12 cents on the dollar. I ended up out of $200,000 getting... No, I didn't. I got $2,000, $2,012. Nothing. I got 1.2 cents. Nothing. I got nothing. I got a couple hundred dollars. Nothing. And that's the law. And there's nothing you can do about it. But I'll tell you something else. On top of that, the law is that the last 30 days... 
the last the last thirty days, if you got paid a bill, you have to give them back the money before they went bankrupt because people will have friends in the business and they'll tell them that we're going, we're going bankrupt right you better and, and give them the money so to protect them the bank the so yeah not only that I had to they owed me the money and I had to send them back money they were suing me it's a sick law it's a sick law that only protects the banks you stole from me and on top of that now you're instead of me getting money from you you're billing me forty thousand dollars and if I don't pay it to you Shopping bag, shopping bag. That's the law in anything. Anything. Chapter 11, that's the law. If you, any money that you got the last 30 days, you have to give them back. They'll sue you for it. And that goes into the pot. And everyone else shares the pot. What's the connection? Huh? No connections. Just, just. Venting. No, it's not venting. It's, it's, it's an interesting an idea in Das. No, the halacha says that being that that's dinam achusa, that is the halacha. You knew, your das was, you knew, when you sold this person, that there is such a law, right? I don't, I don't know if there is, I don't know, I think, not like this, not so easy. The store can't go to chapter 11 very easily. No, but they're, they're better. It's a better law, but you're more protected. I'm more protected, the seller is more protected than, than the buyer. Okay, anyway, so, no, I'm just, I'm just explaining about, it's just interesting, because we were talking about in Shur, we have a halacha series in Shur, whatever we was talking about, you know, the, the, this, this type of situation. Yeah, so going in America, you know that's a law, you need to know that going up front, that you're not going to get your money back. And, you, and going to Besden and saying, he's a Ghanif, that's not going to help you. Because he's not a Ghanif. He's like, you want to sell me bags? You know that I have Chapter 11 protection as a company in America, as a corp. It's not a personal thing. Okay. Anyway, so we're, in the, I don't know how we got to this, but we're in the middle of, we're in the middle of, of writing this book, and I want to read you some very interesting, just a little piece of it, okay? So, we've had these discussions, I'm not going into how to bring up a child, and, and, and you guys may agree with this, you may not, but how to bring up a child, and when you're allowed to discipline them, when you're not allowed to discipline them. So, the quote is like this, a parent must help his child to become a well-adjusted member of society. Listen to this story, this is a no-ridiculous story, with a fantastic question. It happened one Shabbos that in Eretz Yisrael, they had snow, Yerushalayim. A boy went, in, went outside and began to build a snowman. You cannot build a snowman on Shabbos. It's baina. It's a lav, right? His father called from a window, stop it, it's Shabbos. You're not allowed to do that. The boy responded, I'm sorry, I don't see anything wrong with it, and continued building the snowman. The father knew that by responding in this way, the boy was just over because he told his son to do something, he didn't listen, so he was over... The mitzvah of Moira of Aim. He had contradicted his father. His father said, stop. He said, there's nothing wrong with it. Now the father is faced with a dilemma. Should I tell my son again to stop? But just last time he told me that he sees nothing wrong with it, he's not going to stop. So by me telling him to stop, he's going to say back again, I'm not stopping. I'm causing him to do an Avera. I'm, I'm setting him up to do an Avera. Right? So if I tell the son to stop... The boy might once again sin by responding disrespectfully. However, to say nothing to him meant that the boy is going to continue to be Mechal Shabbos. He doesn't, he, he, he tried that, I'm sure, already. He doesn't, he, he, he wants to build a snowman. He's like, I don't see anything wrong with that. I don't care what you say. It's a kid. I'm like, I don't care what you say. So now I know if I tell him again, he's going to say no again. So I'm causing him to do an Avera. On the other hand, if I don't tell him no, 
He continuously doing it on various people. Chal Shabbos. Right. So what do I do? But they're two different averes. One's Chal Shabbos. One's Kibbutz of Aim. So they went to Rav Yitzchak Zilberstein, who's Rav Chaim's brother-in-law. This sort of question is common. A father or mother instructs their child to clean his room, to make a trip to the grocery, to take out the garbage, and the child says, no. So you tell your child, clean your room. The kid says, no. Do you tell him again? Because you know he's going to say no. If you can say no, you bring him to do another Avera. What do you do? I don't want to. Why me? So if the parent knows that this will likely be the child's reaction, should they refrain from making the request because it would likely result in the child's Avera of Kibbutz of Aim? There's an incident from the Gemara where a father was criticizing for discipline. He was criticizing the Gemara for bl- disciplining his son in a manner that might have caused him to react angrily. The Ritva writes that such criticism is warranted even if the child is below the age of Bar Mitzvah. So he's going to make a difference here. If so, Rav Zilberstein, how can a parent raise his child in a proper way if he always has to be concerned? Every time I tell my kid and he says no, if I can't ask him again because he's going to do an Avera, I can't bring my kid up. Like I have to tell him, I'm not accepting, right? What are you going to do? Every time he says no, that's it? You're not going to ask him to, you're not going to, ask him to do it again? Ah, so this is what he says. Citing numerous so Rav Zilberstein writes that when a parent is being mechanech, his child, regarding a mitzvah, like saying Shema, or diving with a minion, or avoiding a sin, or not making a snowman on Shabbos, he need not be concerned that the child will react neg- negatively, for his responsibility as a parent requires him to guide his child in the proper observance of the mitzvahs. Of course, he should seek to find the words that are not confrontational, will have the best chance of not evoking a negative reaction. And what about a non-mitzvah? What about cleaning his room, or taking out the garbage? Now, Zilberstein writes that it's a parent's obligation to help a child become a well-adjusted member of society, not a spoiled, self-centered person who cannot accept criticism or carry out basic chores. Only if the child will react violently, right, that you're not allowed to do. If you know your kid's going to hit you, then he's chayv misa. You don't bring him to that. You don't bring him to that. Such as by striking a parent or lashing out, then the parent should refrain from, from asking him because you're causing your child to be chayv misa. That you don't want to do. Therefore, says Rav Zilberstein, the gain will be outweighed by the loss. If, however, the child will respond with a no, why me, or a sour face, the parent should nevertheless make his request so that his child will hopefully grow to be a mature, productive member of society. You have to bring up your children. Even if you know he's going to say no, and he's going to be over at Avera, you have to bring him up, you have to ask him again. Okay, that's one. I have one more. Mercy for one's parents. Roshleim Zalman Auerbach is a big guddle, arranged for his open porch to be fully enclosed with walls and a couple of windows that would allow for light and fresh air. The handyman who he hired was happy to do the job, but suggested that I don't think you should do that because you're not going to have any more air in your house. Roshleim Zalman thanked him and said, I, I, don't, I don't have a choice. Why? My mother-in-law lives with us, and in the winter, there's a draft coming from the porch, and it's not good for her. Therefore, we have to enclose it. Somebody asked Rosh Zalman, my wife and I want to live in the old city, but our parents are afraid for us to live so close to so many Arabs. I'm sure there's plenty of people like this. What should we do? Rosh Zalman replied, you can't find it in your heart to have mercy on your parents. You have to put them through this. But then who will live in the old city, they asked him. People like me, said Rosh whose parents have already died and not here in the world. Don't have to cause your parents pain. Okay, then we'll, we'll talk maybe next week in Mitzvah Hashem um, about support. About support. When a, when a child has expectations that his parents are going to support him, 
or buy him a house and they don't really support him and they don't give him that kind of money and the reaction for that is they're like they become close to the in-laws or the parent that gives them the money or the in-laws have parents they want to buy a house your father gives you $250,000 for the house and your in-laws are like we don't have we, we can give you maybe we can give you maybe 10 and now you're like you know what your parents care more about us than my parents because they're, they're only giving us 10 so is that is showing that, is showing less love or less bringing your children over is that considered disrespectful or is that not considered disrespectful so we'll talk about that next week there's one other little piece I want to talk about because Pesach is coming and that is and that is about the, the Pesach table I talk about this every year boys you have to go set the table he says the follow, it says the following. Well, not you guys. This is from the Kabayasha. Okay. The night of Pesach is so holy that the table cannot be tummy. What does that mean? When you set the table for the Seder, the Kavana has to be that you're setting the table you're not allowed to have your non-Jewish maid set your Seder table. It has to be a Jew. So, oh. Well, Austin, how could you have a Pesach program in a hotel? The, wait, the, the waitresses are not Jewish. Bomb question, we're going to get to it. No, no. It has to be a Jewish girl. The woman who sets the table not only has to be a Jew, but she has to be in her weeks in the month when she's not Tameh. He says, but I'll tell you what. Better to do it with a young girl who never saw a period. He says that his Rebbe used to go out and have a young, a young girl, a 10-year-old girl, set his table who was never ever Tameh, or a young boy who was never ever Tommy, that's how Kaddish, how Kaddish the Pesach Seder table is. Now you're asking me a good question, and I have to say that I was the guy that used to speak about there's nothing where we're going to a hotel, but for the Sedarim, should be home. Then go to Cholmoy in the last days. So how do I have a Pesach? How do I have a Pesach, how do I have a Pesach program? So what we do on my table is we take all the dishes, after they set it, we take all the dishes, put it on a chair, and then we reset it. Each person individual? We just reset, we reset the table. No, you're talking like a whole place? No, 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 just my family. No, the whole place, but not. No, I'm not resetting that table. There's, there's <laughs> 1,500 people there. You're not resetting all the table. So, so, so well, it's not he doesn't say it's not very. He says it's a nice thing to do. It's not very. Not very. Also, there, there are people who let their maids set the Shabbos table, and there are people who. They won't let, they, they will set the Shabbos table themselves. It's, 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 but I have to say, I have to say that a lot of people say to me, you were the guy, you were the guy that was the speaker against hotels. You were the guy who used to get up and speak against hotels. How could you have a hotel program? The truth is that I only went into the hotel program to make money for Ornava. It's an Ornava program. But I have to say that I've learned something very amazing. That I was judging people, I was judging people, and in the hotel you see tables of 60 or 80, a grandfather, grandmother, the grandchildren, the great-grandchildren, whatever it is, the grandmother can't do that at home. She can't cook for 80, 90 people. 
and it's, and it's very, very hard for her to do that at home. So the Pesach program gives a chance for families, whole families, all the kids, all the daughter-in-laws, all the son-in-laws, all the, right, to be together for Pesach. And that is something that's very beautiful. It's missing the Seder in your house with the poor people sitting at the table, but they say that after they pay our rates in the hotel, they become poor anyway, so. <laughs> consider like there's poor people at the table. I pay, I don't want, I'm not advertising, we're sold out, but it's in, um, it's a called Puente Verde, which is next to Jacksonville, Florida. It's in Florida. But I, um, my minig, since I'm a little child, is that we, my father, Oliver Shalom, it's a beautiful minig. So when we came home from shul, we made the maror. We had one of those grind things and we grind it, you know, had some little finger pieces of my finger in the maror, a little blood in the maror, whatever. But we used to grind. Now when you grind maror, fresh maror, you, it gets into your eyes and you, no matter, even you tear up, you mamish tear up. It goes in your nose and you're like, right? So we used to be grinding it and crying. You're not crying, you're tearing. You're not, you're not crying because there's no... And my father used to sit in the kitchen and he used to say, Hashem, if the Wallstein family has to have tears this year, it should be the tears from the morrow. Wow. We did that every single year. So on Erev Pesach, I sit with 400 kids, all the kids in the program. Each one has a bowl. Each one has a grinder. And we grind and we make... Part of the we, we make the morrow and we make the charosas. No, the kid gets a jar, gets his mara in a jar. So there's chinuch, but there's no place like home. There's no place like home. Seder, rest of Pesach, whatever. If you're going to a great adventure, you're going to Florida, what, you know. But the Seder is so holy, it's so family based, whatever it is. But. And you know, and you're supposed to have poor people at the table. You're supposed to have poor people at the table. There's always an Indian at the Pesach Seder, because Hashem says it's very nice what you're doing, but who's taking care of my other kids? They're not doing well. So it's, you know, we had Russians and what? Right, right, right. A lot. All right, be much clear, guys. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.